Brands, we need to talk. It's time to start texting your customers. Yotpo, the leading e-commerce marketing platform, has the most advanced SMS marketing solution to reach customers where they are on their phones. Yotpo enables brands to build unbeatable targeted SMS experiences to create customer connections and drive revenue fast. Visit yotpo.com, that's Y-O-T-P-O.com, and get personal with SMS marketing today. there's never been a better time to be a direct-to-consumer business. Join us as we uncover the strategies and scaling secrets of the world's most disruptive brands and agencies. This is DTC Podcast. Hello and welcome to the D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick, and on today's show, we have Sam Nebel, co-founder and co-CEO of Good Wipes, an eco-friendly hygiene brand creating plant-based, 100% biodegradable, hypoallergenic wipes. Today, we're diving in on how to stand apart in a disposable niche, taking on big TP, and building an unmistakable, unrelenting brand voice. Welcome uh, to the show, Sam, the king of all wipes. What a great title. Eric, thank you so much. I think I'm done. I have nothing to say. I think I'm done pitching and presenting my company. That was the best introduction for myself and my brand that I could ever ask for. So if we could, if I could package that recording up and have that, and I'm going to play at the beginning of all my sales calls. I think you you got it, bud. You can put it in your ads even. Uh, I, let's dive into wipes for a second here. Let's do so it. It's, you know, I mentioned big TP. Uh, the, the wipes category, to, to have a brand that stands apart the way yours does uh, in such a commoditized and uh, disposable niche, can you talk a little bit about the wipes category and what it's taken for you to stand out? Yeah, absolutely. So w- when we approach, literally physically walk up to a toilet paper aisle, it is a sea of sameness. It is the mother of all commodities, the commodity, the king, the queen commodity of them all. It's just white toilet paper from sea to shining sea in American expression. It's in the and news. It's in the, you know, people are getting arrested. It's, you know, it's a big deal. It, it, it is a big deal and it just looks the same. And it, yeah. it comes down to where the category is at now. You have three main players. You have some private labels. So you have Charmin, you have Cottonelle slash Scott, which is owned by Kimberly Clark. And you have Georgia Pacific's brands. Angel Soft and Quilted Northern. And they're really just not differentiated too much from each other. And they're just warring over, it's not, it's not a super high margin business for them or the retailer. They're just literally warring over how many extra layers around the role that there are, how many roles they could jam in. And they try, try to create this almost confusopoly is what is what I like to call them, where they're, they're it's, it's, such a pain in the ass, literally, even before COVID to go and shop the toilet paper aisle. And so we see that as a huge advantage. And we're, we're striking a nerve in this trend where people want to be more hygienic. People are whispering and have been whispering again, all pre-COVID about a cleaner way to wipe your butt. And that's something that my co-founder and I struck a chord with over 10 years ago, really our entire lives and wanted to develop a way to approach that on a mass market level. And we feel like we've done that and we're doing that now with Good Wipes. I love it. And I don't wanna get too graphic here, but like 
TP, you know, sometimes it just moves it around. And the thing is, uh, you know, we, we, I love the guys at Tushy. I, I love the, uh, that business as well. But the dirty secret about that business as well is you still got to use a wipe after those things. If, you know, you can't just trust the, the water spray in those situations. So I, so I feel like this wipe category, uh, there's some real, real opportunity there in the, right in the middle. Absolutely. And look, we totally support the bidet movement. We think it's a great way to utilize water that's already running through. It does clean. There's sensations that both men and women feel when they use it and good for them. But at the end of the day, it kind of moves things around. It's kind of a nice wash and rinse off. We have insane data and feedback from our consumers. I, I can't talk too much about it because I don't want to you know, encroach on their privacy. But even if you use a bidet, you have you have to wipe it and fully clean it. You don't want to walk around. No. You don't want to have toilet paper chafe. You want to have a clean crevice at the end of the day. Clean and crisp. How many puns have you made up is, is what I just want to know. Is how many different it's, bathroom puns? It's got to be in the, in the hundreds, maybe a thousand. I don't know. It's a lot of fun though. Yeah. I love it. So talk about how in this, I, first of all, Confusopoly is, is a great, great metaphor, a great idea. I'm the exact, I basically will go and I'll be like, okay, what's on sale? What's the cost per sheet? What am I going? Like I have no brand loyalty in that space. The branding, it's like they're the, the most bold branding in the whole space are those goddamn bears that, you know, that, that pick, toilet paper pieces out of their butts. I, that's Charmin, right? It's, it's, it's the <laughs> that, bears. That is, that is Charmin. And they, do, they, they pick the, the, the nuggets out of their behinds. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, you know, and that's the most bold marketing in the space. So yeah, real, real opportunity. So, so talk about how you've separated yourself specifically in the last like seven years. That's the thing. Your company is just about seven years old. Um, talk about its growth. And then, you know, how, how has that growth been since COVID in, in this category? Yeah. So really our growth, has happened more over the past 12 months. And it wasn't necessarily just because of COVID. It was just with retail timelines, the stage of our brand, what we had proven in market, how long it takes to get things rolling, really finding out and defining who we are and refining that and making sure that our message was clear, that our packaging is clear, that it's concise, that we're that we're just striking all the chords that we want, that we perfected the product and gotten that to where we wanted to go. And then all of a sudden COVID happened I would call COVID net neutral for us where a lot of opportunities appear and a lot of opportunities that we thought were going to happen disappeared. Um, overall, we, you know, whether things are going up or down, we're gonna find a way to do what we need to do and play to what's going on in the market. And we feel like we've done that there. As far as the category and, and differentiating ourselves and stepping ourselves aside from Charmin and the Bears, look, these are huge billion Multi, obviously multi-billion dollar companies owned by more multi-billion dollar brands owned by multi-gazillion dollar companies. Again, these confusopolies towards consumers that are trying to act like they're your best friend, running the latest, latest and greatest social, you know, justice cause that who knows what they really mean behind it. But you know, at the end of the day, they're focused on their share price um, and, and the stock market. That's who their allegiance is to. We are incentivized to do everything in our power strictly for the consumers and what they need. And it's just an authentic relationship. Like I said, we have, we have had over 250 responses to a survey last week, literally about how people wipe their butt between toilet paper wipes from their folding to how many fingers they have. 
in the wipes. It, it is amazing. And it is probably too graphic for this podcast, Eric. I won't go there. I, yeah, I, my mind is, is, uh, yeah, a, a flurry with it. It's, I, I'm, I love this space so much. And it's funny, uh, what we talk a lot about on the podcast is convergence because I guarantee on our email newsletter list, subscribe at directconsumer.co, uh, you know, there's a Charmin exec on, on that list. There's, there's Unilever, there's all these, these big companies, but there's also all these upstart companies finding the way that like that landscape has sort of converged in a lot of ways. And, and what I'm really interested in is what you talk about is, is these companies forming with a, with a different DNA a little bit where they really are all about those, those customer relationships. I'm interested, like what that kind of capitalism can do for the world. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to like, I don't, Hey, all my friends at Unilever, like, Hey, you know, we're, we're coming for you, but like, you know, you know, there, there's no, no love lost there. And they're doing some amazing uh, things in order to be more nimble and be more like D2C startups as well. I'm just wondering how you sort of see the evolution of the D2C space in the next little while. Well, I'm going to comment first and, and let's make sure Eric, I answer the questions that you're yeah. asking, but I have to comment first on these big CPG companies. Make no mistake, make no mistake, DTC players or emerging CPG brands. These are some of the smartest people in the world that work yeah. at these companies. Yes. We graduated from an accelerator in Cincinnati called The Brandery five years ago. It was the best thing that happened. One of the best things that happened in our business. One of the best things that happened in our lives. We learned so much. And why we learned so much is because it's insulated and mentored by all former Procter & Gamble execs. Half of our advisors and some of the best relationships that my co-founder and I have are with people that have worked and built their, their mental foundations from stemming from Procter & Gamber. These people are, do not underestimate them. So I know what I said yeah. before, but there's conflicting, there's conflicting things going on. These people are geniuses. There is a large company in town where we live. I met with close to 10 of them just casual, nothing serious. These people are just, I, I can't even describe how wiz, the wizardry that these people have. They're like economists at this company and you gotta be careful. And I think that's what, to answer your question, sets us apart. You know, I, I'm not an idiot, but I'm not, I'm, I just had to look up convergence when you were talking about it. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but what we do have is this authentic, heart, this soul, this purpose that drive us and this connectivity that we have with consumers. We care more because it, it's like, it's, it's this purpose from the soul. Yeah. I can't help it. And, and I it, think that's it, one of the things that is, that helps drive our business, frankly. And it has to be when you're up against a, a confusopoly, right? When, yes. when the, the industry standard is, uh, you know, these aisles of, of, of white toilet paper, the sea, sea of toilet paper, as far as the eye can see, yeah. uh, you know, that's really, that's really what you're up against. So you have to leverage that. What I'm finding interesting is as I learn more and more about these, these big companies is they're also adopting, like you say, they're geniuses because they're also, they have the pedigree and this ability to, to scale verticals and to do all these different things. Yeah. And now they're investing heavily in, in the more scrappy direct to consumer, you know, performance marketing tactics, which is why they read the newsletter. Sure. Uh, and so, yeah, they, they are not to be doubted. Um, do not doubt them. Do, do not, not doubt them. Do not doubt them. So uh, this is just, just on that line. Like what's, what's your play in this? Like, do you, do you think, do you look for an exit with one of those big companies? Like, how do you think about sort of that kind of thing? <clears throat> I think we're going to do whatever is, is best 
to scale the business while making sure that it has its core heart and soul. I was actually thinking about this yesterday. I don't know why, but I think, you know what? I think it had something to do with <clears throat> the Lily's acquisition by Hershey's. Mm. Lily's well, chocolate. And it made me think that Hershey's acquired Crave beef jerky. Um, now Crave, I think meat, just Crave meat snacks several years ago. It was a huge exit. Everyone talked about it. It was a big multiple. And then, and they, the news continued to pump that they were doing really well and the partnership was good. But then within the past 18 months, I think the original founder, John Sebastiani, who's you know, someone we look up to, we never met him, but we look up to him. We, we stand him, we fanboy him. And it seemed like, like they bought it back. And that's happened with a few. Z, um, Mark Rampola from Zico, another person we, we stand and fanboy, bought back Zico from Coca-Cola. Hmm. And so we're very protective about the foundation that we're building, about this core consumer resonance that we have, um, this direct authentic relationship, and we don't ever want to take it for granted. So that I think would be the first thing we consider. Like what is going what does it look like if we get, a, if we strategically partner with you know, a Procter and Gamble, what does it look like five years from now? What, what will the brand be and how will the relationship with the consumer be? Cause that at the end of the day is the number one most important thing. On the flip side of that, you see native and natives deodorant sales in Target, for example, have already superseded Old Spice, a brand that's been around for 80 years or so. Yeah. And, and so you say, okay, well, that's a compelling argument to say, and granted it's because of a lot of it is due to natives, native, resonance with the consumer just mm -hmm. took off you know it, you have to consider both of those things so i don't have a hard and fast answer but those are the things that would run through my mind if that conversation ever took place it's crazy to me that old like men's deodorant is such an interesting space like that old spice for this long was the number one player and they, and they did that through their like incredibly quirky marketing uh, yeah. i think to some extent but to think of a category that needed disrupting you can't think of any one more where the leader of it is called old spice you yeah, know? and that's funny. Yeah, like, old, old and spicy. It's old. It's spicy. It's just. Maybe, I mean, maybe that's why. I love. Disruption. I love. I love old spice. I really do. Um, I also like native a lot. So it's 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 cool to watch those things. And and we've had the luxury, I feel like, to observe the craves, the zikos, but then also the natives and the Schmitz acquisitions as well. Mm -hmm. Things going really well and things maybe not going so well. And so we do have that luxury and, and can wait and see, but we're really focused on executing on our brand strategy and vision. I love it. And the thing, you know, you've been around, you're just name dropping here, like, you know, all these, all these amazing D2C brands, because you've been in this space for, for quite a while now. Um, how, like, is the, is the D2C aspect of the business just really taken off in the last 12 months? It was, it was mostly retail before that. Can you talk about that transition a little bit? Yeah. So, excuse me, we were, um, we were actually working through a uh, private fundraising. And so we were preparing to ramp up our um, direct to consumer efforts in February of last year, 2020, before the pandemic, started to get some steam, um, did get some steam. There was, I don't know if the convergence is the right word, but at a point in time, we were ramping, then COVID happened. Our DTC took off relative to where it was. It, it essentially six, maybe close to 10X average over a year, over the last year. But at the same time, <laughs> you know, our that financing actually, didn't pan out due to the pandemic. I, mm. you know, there may have been other, I, I, I won't go there, but 
that is that is why um, on record that fell through. Um, sore personal subjects still, but yeah, it, it's we're in, we're in a, actually in a much better place now. But things happen the, the for a reason. They, oh, you know what? There's a lot of things going on in my life, Eric, that I really believe that to be true. I I just know it, it, we talk about success being it, it, for our business. It's just from the day after day, day after day grinding. And all of a sudden you turn around and say, look what we've done. But also there are these moments of serendipity and things happening for a reason that are part of that magic formula of everything kind of working out and going, you know, let's, let's, let's do loop-de-loops, but going out. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. Yeah, no, I fully agree on, on my entrepreneurial journey as well. And that idea too, of lifting your head yeah. up, of, of just busting, busting your ass and, and in the, in those moments, not always knowing where you're at, but then realizing that when you look behind you, what you've sort of created uh, is, is, you know, the, that best feeling in entrepreneurship for sure. And then, but you can only take those breaths for seconds and then you got to get back into grinding. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just did one breath and now I'm, I'm like, yeah, all right. I, I know you just reminded me what I have to do this afternoon after this very fun conversation. It's, it's a lot of heads down work. So I love it. Okay, cool. So let's talk a little bit about your product expansion. So you went from, uh, you know, uh, butt wipes mainly, uh, or wipes, just what wipes in general, uh, yeah. where you have not been afraid to, you know, of, of, of referencing the butt and, and what, you know, what the, the mm-hmm. core use of these products is. And now you've moved to vaginal wipes as well. Is there a better yeah. way to say that hygienic napkins? There is, I'm going to be extremely delicate in how I talk about this, but it, what it has been a natural evolution. It all kind of formulated at the same time. Um, we've, we've spent a lot of time working on our brand hierarchy and, and how we approach that. Um, but we do have a feminine hygiene unit is, is what we would call of the business. We have, of course we have, I think we're more females than males on the team um, that have led the R&D on it, have led the messaging on it, have led the positioning on it, uh, especially relative to what's out there in the marketplace. Now it's a growing category. It's an amazing category and it falls in line with our purpose, which is to inspire people to feel good because when you feel good, you do good. And our mission, changing the way people think about hygiene. And furthermore, we talk about breaking down these taboos, wiping your butt and feminine hygiene are super stigmatized still and conversations that many people, of course, and naturally don't feel comfortable having or like to have. Not us. Not, not, not us, not us, not, not you and I. Um, <laughs> we're, 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 no. we're, we're, we're a dime a dozen, but, but yeah, no, I mean, it's something that we, it, it kind of naturally evolved Involved. It was more for, it wasn't like a, Hey, let's go to feminine hygiene next. It was more of like a conversation internally amongst, amongst the team, more so coming from consumer demand and totally. retailer demand of, Hey, it seems like this is a use case scenario. Have you thought about this? Um, consumers writing in we, again, this authentic relationship we've been building with consumers over the past, you know, really since we started is, is that's the foundation of our business. And that's really what led us there. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, part of the foundation of your brand is just this abilityness, ability to, 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 you know, speak very, like, speak in a way that's instantly understandable to people about these things that they don't generally talk about. Uh, and I'm, and you've, you know, I look at your copywriting, I look at your brand voice, and it's, it's such a bold brand voice. I'm wondering, have there ever been times where you've overstepped, or where you found, you know, where you found that you've, you know, you've used the wrong language or, or you know, in, in this bold brand? Yeah, you know, the way that the way that we approach it. So we are we we actually have spent a lot of time being rigorous about defining these characteristics of our brand. We're edgy uh, and authentic at the same time. We want to delight people. 
we want to speak like we're talking to our friends in a way, but we're still like a brand. Um, honest, approachable, playful, empathetic, edgy. We call it happy. That's the acronym. And we we can be all those things, but what we are not, we are not crass. We do we we are we edge the line, we toe the line, we never step over the line. Um, have other have some people found offensive language in any of our copy? Well, we have a ton of products and we copy, we have a ton of copywriting. There have been moments, you know, 75 year old Granny Jane from wherever she may be from. I would never offend a town or city. I love everywhere in America and the world. Yep. Except but Shelbyville. Of course. No, where Shel tell me about Shel what? No, sorry, I that's a Simpsons. That's just a Simpsons reference. Never mind. That's okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I actually grew up in the Simpsons, but it's been a while. Um, yeah, but not everyone's gonna like what you do, even when you're edgy, even when, you know, for us, we're towing the line. For some people, they may find it still taboo, and that's fine. You're not gonna win everyone over. We can live with that. And you make this is something we talk about on the podcast a lot is 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 you it's a voice or it's a, it's a brand voice that demands action one way or the other you're not, not everyone's going to like it but but people will make a decision on it because it's bold which I think is important especially in in commoditized categories absolutely absolutely and, and that's going back to what we were talking about earlier that's what we want to accomplish in the toilet paper aisle in the flushable wipe sub segment which is growing it has. Large, those large players that I mentioned earlier are participating here. Uh, we have our own niche within that, that we're carving out our community of consumers and it's going incredibly well. In fact, I, I'm going to, I'm going to take this as a license to give ourselves a selfish plug, Eric, if I could go for simple. it, do it in a retailer that we're, we're in. I won't, I won't say the name, but we're actually the leading brand in the category above above these large, not in toilet paper, in the flushable wipes, which is huge. Mm -hmm. We haven't even been on shelf for a year, but we are the leading brand in that, in that category, which is a tremendous honor and, and it's humbling, frankly. Need high quality, fully licensed UGC? With Mini Social, you can produce beautiful, authentic, and fully licensed user-generated content featuring your products with micro-influencer creators. D2C brands like Native, Olipop, Hydrant, and others love working with Mini Social as a way to populate their organic social acquisition channels, website, and beyond, while also competing dollar for dollar with traditional influencer activations on Instagram and TikTok. Get started on a campaign at minisocial.com today. How does it work with shelf space? Did you like? Did you have to earn the 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 prime shelf space in that type scenario, or were you were you given a feature spot early on? Can you talk a little bit about that? We've earned every inch of retail space that we've ever gotten. We fought tooth and nail. We've prepared for sales meetings, hours, hours, weeks, weeks. We've strategized, re-strategized, prioritized, reprioritized, and really just come with a compelling enough proposition from the product side, from the consumer side playing in with the category and where it's going, understanding the, the, the insights and the trends, playing to that. And just like I said, we, we care. We care more than we, we care the most. And that's resonating with these retail partners that we're working with. And they say, look, I'm going to give you a shot. I Candidly, sometimes they're, they're like, look, I'll give you a shot. I don't know exactly where this is going to go. We're optimistic, of course, otherwise we wouldn't bring you in. But let's see what happens. Here's an opportunity. And we, we did not take that for granted. We never have, we never will. And we've done well with it. We've succeeded. 
Very cool. Let's talk about the influencer side for a second. I, I've talked with other people who have brands, you know, intimate, intimate products. How has it been getting it, recruiting influencers to be as open as you need to be to, you know, promote a product like yours? Yeah. And, and look, that's, again, we're breaking down taboos. That's not easy to do. People aren't just hopping on Instagram saying, look at these butt wipes I found. We really, frankly, so that's a, that's a great my question. My butt was so dirty before I found these my, wipes. My butt You're was implied. so dirty. My you butt know? was so dirty, but we have had success. So our formula, which we've just recently implemented is when we onboard with a, let's say a grocery retailer, let's say they're in their headquartered in Massachusetts. They have less than a hundred stores. We will go super geo-targeted, super local to where, you know, my name is Sally Sue. I'm a fitness influencer. I talk about the products I use. I, you know, I'm, I'm a millennial, I'm relatable and people have really bought into her. We will find them. We will organically seed them with product and see if it's something that they're interested in. Not everyone says yes. Although our conversion rate on sending samples to someone talking about it actually is pretty high. Cool. And we just lean into them discussing authentically how and when they use the product and then where they get it. And that's the model that we're replicating and it's going extremely well. Very cool. Uh, okay. So wh what would you say within the D2C world has been your mark, your biggest lever for growth over the, the past, let's call it year. The biggest lever of growth over the past year. I do have I mean, I, we have a few, I was kind of ideating earlier because I really wanted to make sure that I, I smash it for your show and your audience. But it, our, again, our foundation has always been this organic sampling, community building, transcending into word of mouth and people like it. We've never had the budget historically until basically right now to drive out on a mass market level, the message that we want consumers to hear so that they get interested in the product. So what we've done over the past several years and still do and will continue to do is seeding these, whether they're influencers or just people in the community, any, anything from fitness events to, like I said, fitness, you know, if you want to call them fitness influencers or people that are just doing things and are active in the community because those people are natural influencers. Influencers, it's not just social media, there's also pre-COVID socialization. And so we'd hit these events. Um, in fact, the, the core team here in Atlanta, we would go to events. We have a school bus that we renovated, drove around the country. This is about four years ago, drove the school bus around the country for 40 days, lived in it to promote Good Wipes and all organic. And people, of course, thought that was really cool. But that that resonated with people and, and got people talking. And so we're not afraid product. to continue. If you're traveling, we're, we are, fans, we are, you need those wipes. Oh yeah, <laughs> you, you do. And we did not always shower. So the body wipes came in handy. That's um, awesome. But it's really been, I think it goes back to the copywriting, the branding, all the work that I can take no credit for, but our, our marketing team can have put into our aesthetic on shelf, how we look, how we fit in, how we stand out to the copywriting that engages an interactive relationship, fosters an organic relationship and gets consumers excited enough to try the product because that's step number one. Then you have to compel them to use it. Okay, I, maybe I bought two of these types of wipes to see and compare. So we have to have a superior product. Then memorable enough in your house 
that you want to go back to that same store and buy it again. And we're seeing that repeat data across all channels, Amazon, direct to consumer and, good, and, and brick and mortar with velocities and repeat purchase rates that continue to increase and thrive. So we, we, we know it's, it's really what you want. It's the compelling narrative on shelf, even without us marketing or talking to anyone. And people like the product enough to come back and buy it again and again, which is, it's, it's awesome. It's impactful. Yeah, it means a lot. And then on the D2C side, are you leveraging email or SMS or any of these owned channels? Um, what, you know, once they, once they buy so that you can sort of, you know, make sure that they're having the product experience you're looking for. Yeah. And, and the way that we really have leaned into that is more on the email side rather than the SMS Though we, we are looking at ramping up our SMS efforts is we send out minimum two emails a week to our customers. One will be what we'll call like a classic marketing email, which is either education or product or a holiday tie-in or even a sale or promotion. Maybe it's a new kit. And to keep people engaged and you know remind them, come back and buy. Um, the other is a value add. And that could be delighting our customers anywhere from a Spotify playlist that we'll curate. Just something cool just to say, hey, that's not the flavor for everyone when you open up your email and inbox. Some people want strictly business, but that's fine. It, they, then they, they, they're the ones that open up the sale emails or the marketing emails and, and are drawn in that way. So just fostering this kind of like light touch-based community, not overwhelming them. There's only so much you could do. Um, but for us, we want to continue to add value in multiple ways digitally. And, and that continues to foster our community in a deeper way. Love it. Um... So the other question I had too is, you know, with products like yours that are at a lower price point, uh, you know, in, in the D2C world with, with costs rising all the time, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're looking for ways that you can grow your AOV. They who can afford to pay the most for a customer will often win. What are some of the things that you've done with Good Wipes or your team has done to really uh, up the average order value for the products? Yeah, and look, I, 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 I can talk about that. I would say that... We, we don't want to, we try not to get too meticulous because if we're saying, hey, we need to add five more dollars onto our AOV, it, it could be an inauthentic way to force a number that doesn't make sense for the consumer or doesn't make sense for the brand. So I'd rather go a little bit lower, maybe back off a little bit, maybe push harder on emails, maybe have them rebuy more and more. I'm looking at, I'm looking at our quarter one data right now, quarter to day, or what is this, quarter two, and our returning customer rate is 59.75%. So if the AOV isn't perfect, I can live with that because I know that this customer is going to come back again and again. And again, I don't take that for granted. We still are pushing the boundaries. We still can come up with ways to get a higher AOV. We have an innovation pipeline just for DTC alone mm -hmm. and or testing, but we're not going to beat ourselves up and say, well, to get to break even or to get to, you know, X, ROI, we've got to jam something down our throats. That is, I think, a terrible way to, to go out of business, go out of business, frankly. So, cause you lose trust with consumers and, and that's especially on DTC. This isn't Amazon where people will buy anything off of it. Like shipping's harder, it's all tough. So yeah. we really try to maintain, again, put the consumer first and maintain the sanctity of the relationship that we have with them. It goes back to the core that you mentioned that you'd worry about in a in a large corporate acquisition because the the heart of the business is is this you know connection you have with the customer oh, and totally. and that 
is paramount above all else. That's really cool to hear. Thank you. Um, okay, cool. So it, uh, one of the things I, I, you know, your brand voice is such a big deal for the brand. Are there any other brands that you love the brand voice of out there? Any other D2C brands or, or big legacy brands? Oh my brands? God. I did a, I remember doing an exercise for someone that we worked with around September, October last year. And I think Charlie, my co-founder and, and some other people on the team were pissed at me because that was kind of, it was like a, was supposed to be a catch-all. Everyone on the team was like, oh, share your favorite brands. I, I easily typed in over a hundred and they were like, dude, this defeats the purpose. <laughs> um, I like so many different types of brands. That's why I kind of have to be removed from some of the branding conversations because I'm just a fan of, of so many different flavors. I, I love ugly drinks. Yeah, I love ugly. It's, there's, to me, there's almost nothing more native that I've seen. And, and I love, like I consume, I'm like a top tier consumer of the sparkling water category. I drink Olipop, I drink Sanzo, I drink Spindrift, I drink Ugly, but like from, I drink Montaigne. From a local, like just from like a native level of like, whoa, cool brand that I wanna follow their Instagram account, you know, Ugly Drinks, right? Yeah. That's the one for me. And your design um, sensible, it's interesting because they're the exact, I referenced earlier the idea of like your brand having to make a choice, making people make a choice. That's, that's really what they speak to as well. So it's interesting that you sort of have similar inspiration. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and, and it's fun. I used to be a big fan of like all, a lot of the legacy brands and just respect them and hold them in such high regard. But I love the battle that's going on where emerging brands are just coming and it's death by a thousand cuts. And it's just, it's, it's so cool to see. Um, there's, there's so many stories in emerging CPG on the DTC side or the, you know, strict brick and mortar side. It's just fantastic. Nice. Uh, I want to bring another idea. You know, we have a lot of executives that listen to this podcast, a lot of founders. Um, and I noticed in your LinkedIn profile, you're listed as a co-founder as well as a co-CEO. And I wanted to, uh, could you talk a little bit about how that works with your co-founder and, and how you sort of approach leadership in the company? Yeah, so I think it's something that just, excuse me, has always felt organic to Charlie and I, it's really been more about the, the responsibilities rather than the role or the title. Mm. Um, and over the past eight years, I mean, we've worn every single hat, but where, where are the strengths best suited? What's that person? We both think about everything every night we go to bed, right? But at this point, especially, we, we can't be responsible for everything uh, across both sides. So it's almost like a dividing and conquering of everything 360 degrees that a CEO might do. And people, you, you can read Twitter and people have differing or LinkedIn, differing uh, definitions of what a CEO is responsible for, whether it's externally narrative. So maybe it's someone who's pumping PR like I'm doing with you right now. Although I would consider this a very intimate conversation that I enjoy, but externally facing. If I were to hit a roadshow or PR, that's something that maybe I would do. CEO is also responsible for the culture, the heartbeat, the bloodline, the the not just like how much fun we have every day, which our company is an extremely fun place to be and work at and grow, but the intentionality that goes behind crafting what goes into our culture, who we are, and that's Charlie. Mm -hmm. Charlie, there is no better leader in this world that I know that cares more about that. And when we made the decision, for example, hey, culture is going to be a differentiator for us, we know that's Charlie's job. If it's if the decision is, is, hey, someone's going to get on podcasts because they like to talk more and they have a loud, booming voice, okay, that's going to be Sam. 
And so we'll approach all the different functions of the organization that in that fashion. And I like it. And it's a fluid, you know, as you're building a business, it's, you know, the more fluid you can be, the better. So you're, I imagine over the years, your roles have changed, you know, and evolved and, and, and gone in different ways. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look, we've both, fortunately, I mean, we, we've, we've both bred, been bred in a sales environment. We're both promoters at heart, um, rigorous sales environments. We, we've, we've worked retail, we've worked restaurants. Um, and so we have that, we both have that skill set. So when I was out doing fundraising, he was doing sales. We used to do the sales meetings together at the very beginning. Now I primarily lead sales or have led sales now have hired someone. So this person, we'll call him DJ. He's the best. He leads sales. I'm, I'm just kind of there. And now I'm moving into more of like a sales strategy and commercialization strategy role rather than being in every single sales meeting. So yes, tons of evolution going on right now. Nice. Uh, this is a question we want to start asking more people because it's something we live. I think right now we're, we're uh, on our user acquisition side uh, for the newsletter. We're getting really scrappy. Uh, so we're always, and, and we come from a very scrappy background of all hands on deck, make, making things happen um, on the marketing side, iterating, testing things. Uh, do you have any good scrappy marketing stories you could share with us? Scrappy marketing story. I, I have to go back to when four years ago and we were doing, I think under probably half a million dollars in sales that year. So we, we, it was probably a premature move, <laughs> not a lot of money raised, bootstrap. And we bought and renovated the school bus and drove and lived on it for 40 days and drove across the country to promote Good Wipes. Um, we just felt like between yeah. retail settings while we were kind of waiting on some financing to come in, let's do a little hack, let's learn, let's see what people are saying, go across the country. It was an incredible experience. Like and a modern Ken Kesey. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Band of merry pranksters. And did you get, did you get press on that? Did you did you end up getting any any? Uh... We, we we did we did we did we did get some localized press on that. Um, and that's I think that's a learning lesson too. We just know how to work, work with press and PR strategies and local local media outlets a little bit more and better now. Nice. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been good. Everything's been great. Cool. Uh, okay, last question. Uh, if uh, if D2C was to give you a $50,000 grant for your marketing specifically, uh, what category, what area would you be putting that budget into to see the biggest growth in the next little while? It's funny, you know, I've heard a lot of different, different, uh, probably a lot of negative in response to this, because this is something I want to do a lot is either or doing like a one shot with a with a big podcast, like a Joe Rogan, who's probably hundred thousand dollars an episode, but $50,000, I would probably do something like that. Um, or like a, a major celebrity doing a, a big post, Wh whatever that 50 K could have for me. I want to do one shot, big shot that for at least a week, everyone's like, well, why did the rock or Joe Rogan's podcast talk about this butt wipe company? That's what I would want to do. And then, then we could, you know, drive the engine to continue to feel that conversation. I think it's a really cool idea. I, and I'm really interested in that space, not only because we sell advertising on the podcast, but I've been, I've been reading more and more about people and, and how to value different podcast uh, integrations. One thing I've heard is how important like a, a strong native read is where it's like, especially if I've tried the product or if they just, the more native it is, the better it's going to be. And I wonder with Joe Rogan, cause he's gone to Spotify now where they just plug in, you know, sort of stand. So he doesn't do his own ads anymore. He, he just sort of outsources them. And I wonder how that's affected his uh his advertising value Th that's a good question i 
I, I have to think with that horsepower, the advertisers are still getting good bang for their buck, but it, yeah. it, it can't be the same as when he's talking about on it on his own, right? Like he's an owner in that company and he's like, I love, man, I just love the shit, man. You know, like it's the way it makes me feel so good or whatever he might say, right? So um, it, it's definitely gotta be a different vibe. I, when I, I'm a big Howard Stern fan and it, there's just such a difference when you hear the little jingles and they're good when he, and then when he starts talking to Robin and says, Robin, Casper mattress. What, how many do you have in your house? And, and they just go off about it. It's just, it's really such a difference. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Nice. Well, I want to thank you. Oh no, we have, we, we have a special offer, I believe for the listeners uh, to the DTC podcast who may have decided they, they just need to make a switch. TP isn't cutting it for them anymore. They need to try uh, good wipes. What, what do we have for the listeners? Eric, we have, we actually have two things if I may. And, and I hope I can get away with, with a little bit of this, this extra murder here, but number one, DTC15 at checkout for 15% off at www.goodwipes.com, G-O-O-D-W-I-P-E-S.com. And beginning on June 10th in 900 Target stores, which means there's a 50% chance that it is at the Target near you. You can go to www.goodwipes.com to check the store locator. We have two exclusive items. This is our super fresh scent with marble two-pack. Which will be available at Target in the toilet in the flushable wipe section next to the Sea of Sameness toilet paper, and then our two pack of rose water as well. Why don't you get both of those? Have four because we know that most of our consumers have three or more bathrooms, and why not have three plus one ready to go? You probably need one under the sink there too, just as have to have to have to get it under the sink. Well, I'm going camping this weekend, so I will stock up because I will be a a strong use case for, for these products. Love it. Uh, As I don't, I'm only going to be doing like, you know, ocean swimming. So, so no showers at all. I I love that. You know, let the salt enrich your skin for a little bit. And then I think afterwards you want to wipe it off. I love it. Sounds like you're headed for some skincare products soon with that level of knowledge about, about people's skin. So uh, very excited about that. Sam, this has been super fun. I want to thank you for coming on and uh, I hope we can do it again uh, in the future. You know, once you, you conquer D2C even further. Would love to, Eric. I appreciate you having me. This has been a ton of fun. Thanks so much. And let me know. I'll be around. I'll, I'll, I'll carve out an hour for you every week if you want. All right, brother. Peace out. Thanks. Thanks.